Dog them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... for the Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. Safely underway here on this Thursday. Hope you're doing well wherever you might be. Coming up in about 30 minutes, Dwight Vick will join us. Talk more about the uh, pending uh, hires at Virginia Tech, replacing some valuable coaching spots. But as we preview, joining us now on the program, always one of my favorite conversations. He's the Hall of Famer, multiple, multiple award-winning writer from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, David Teal. David, how are you? Good morning. White's a former O-lineman. Get him out there coaching that bunch. <laughs> That's what I'm going to ask him. We've had a lot of listeners want that to happen, right? <laughs> he was pretty good when he wore the colors, if I recall. So, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> all right, David, uh, my goodness, I'm watching Pitt last night, and I'm thinking, all right, here they are. I haven't given them a lot of attention, and they go to South Bend and get beat. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, that can't be good for the league, right? I mean, here we are now looking at Miami. They lose to Florida State. Virginia had their struggles. They looked really good against Clemson. What are your thoughts now about the top part of the ACC right now? I think the top part of the ACC is just fine. Yeah? You know, Virginia had a couple of bad games. They played a desperate team in Carolina that shot out of its mind from three. Okay, that's going to happen. Did, did Virginia play great defense in the first half? No. Did they miss a ton of layups? Yes. But they, they were better the other night at home against Clemson. I think almost certainly they will win Saturday against Louisville. Mm-hmm. They'll be the two seed in the ACC tournament. Pitt last night ran into, come on, all the emotion of Mike Bray's last game in yeah. South Bend? yeah. I'm not sure who wins that game against the Irish last night. That was that was storybook stuff. And Mike Bray deserved every minute of that and every shot of Irish whiskey he took <laughs> at linebacker after the game last night. And I know there were plenty. So that that doesn't give me pause about Pitt. And yes, Miami had a 
you know, when you're up 25 at home, oh. a rival at halftime, that's a game you shouldn't lose, can't lose. But they did. And they were also without Nigel Pack, one of their best scorers, still not an excuse. I think Miami's really good. I think those guards are exceptional and will serve the Hurricanes well in March. It, it kind of, to me, and let me know your thoughts, to watch these teams, I know they kind of beat one another and nobody's run away with this league and you think one team's ready to and then something happens. But it feels like, too, with the makeup, the personalities of some of these teams, David, that they could go on extended runs just in terms of matchups, how this thing plays out in the NCAA. You think? Some of them could, yeah. Especially those that Miami and NC State can really score. And you've got to, I know defense wins championships and such, but as Miami proved last year, if if you can score from the backcourt, you got a shot. Mm-hmm. And took them all the way to the Elite Eight. Duke is playing very well right, right now. Right. I keep telling people, when Duke has its full complement of scholarship players, it has lost one time this season. Once. And that was at UVA in a game that Blue Devils faithful will tell you they absolutely would have won had the whistle been blown correctly. Mm-hmm. That's the only blemish. You're right. I think they're going to win the ACC tournament. I was saying that in the first hour. They just seem to be rounding into place, and you're right. They just Right now they're clicking, it seems like, more consistently than the other top dogs in the league, talking about Duke. Well, and their senior, their, their most experienced player, I think he's a senior, either junior or senior. When they get that old with Duke, they seem like graybeards. But Jeremy Roach, who was so good during the Final Four run last season, is – really elevating his game at, at the right moment. Now, here we are lauding Duke. Watch him lose to Carolina. <laughs> right, right. Because Tar- <laughs> Rick, the Tar Heels need that game. They do. They do. Uh, well, I was going to segue. That was my next question about Carolina. By the way, we're joined by the Virginia Hall of Famer, David Teal. Uh, I think Carolina's, yes, if they get that win, don't you think they're probably in at this point, the way they're playing, or do they still need to do some damage in the tournament? I don't know. Well, it's, those hypotheticals, Rick, they're, they're fun to banter about on the bar stool and on talk radio. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it's impossible to know because you, don't, you can't project what's going to happen elsewhere around the country. What are other bubble teams going to do? Might there be some bifties and some other conferences where the regular season champion that you know is going to the tournament then loses and someone else you know, steals a bid? So you, you just can't really calculate it. But I'll tell you what, if Tar Heels lose Saturday at home to Duke, my suspicion is very strong that they have serious work to do in Greensboro. I wanted to ask you, because you've mentioned before, you've been in on some of these, you know, you're sitting there and you've, you've been privy to how they go about selecting and things like that, mm-hmm. if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Folks, yeah. Wanted, folks wanted me to ask you, because they remembered that conversation you and I had, which was pretty cool. 
how much of it comes down? Do they ever get into just the bear tax about the school's name? How much does a school's name and tradition come into play? Or at that point, can they separate that from the formulas they're looking at? It is never discussed. Ever. Conference affiliation, never discussed. Conference, even conference record, that, that just doesn't come into play now. Does each individual voter in his mind have his or her own thoughts about the ACC versus the Big Ten versus the Big 12 versus the Mountain West or the Carolina brand? Sure. But in terms of the debate that happens in that room, I assure you there is not time for that. They have to focus on how is this team playing, who have they beaten, where have they beaten them, what injuries have affected their seasons. It is, it is very much a time-compressed process that is really all-consuming. Has it come down to, like you said, I like to hear that because that means they're actually watching how teams are performing instead of looking at some arbitrary number from another formula. How much do those like the Nets and the Ken Palm and all that still weigh into all this? Is that taking on extra meaning or is it like you're saying they're just trying to talk about these teams as individual properties when they get in the room and talk about it? Well, Rick, the net becomes the basis for how, how teams are ranked. You know, you have X number of quad one wins, quad two, quad three, quad four, all that. That's all based on the net. But I can recite chapter and verse teams in the 30s on the net Mm -hmm. or the RPI that have been bypassed for teams in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s. Last year, Rutgers was 77 on the net and made the field. And there were teams in the 40s that were bypassed. So they're, they're not, I would encourage people not to get stuck just on their favorite team's net ranking. It mm. goes deeper than that. Interesting. Yeah, what was, the, what was the validation, you think, for that, like that individual case, you think, for Rutgers? Just what, how they finished the year and the conference they played and how they, the road went? What was it about that? Uh, that put them over the top. I, I don't have their team sheet from last year in front of me, Rick. Non-conference strength of schedule is a is a big part of it. You know, wh- whom did you beat? You know, road record play plays a role here. You know, non-conference strength. If Clemson does not make the tournament, it will have nothing to blame. But it's non-conference strength of schedule. It's below three. Wow. And when when your non-conference schedule is ranked that low, you're just asking for the committee to exclude you. David Teal joining us on the program. He writes for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We're breaking down all things ACC, NCAA tournament. Um, I want to get into Terry Holland, but before, you wrote a great piece, by the way, because it involved one of my uh, former uh, all-time favorite coaches. What a great guy Tony Shaver is. What a great article, by the way. You, you highlighted Ryan Odom and Russell Turner and Griff Aldridge and uh, how each got 20 wins this year, and they all gave credit to Coach Shaver. That was a great piece, by the way. 
Thanks. We, we, ju- we just posted that online. It was a lot of fun to do. I talked to Coach Shaver uh, Saturday afternoon as I was driving to Chapel Hill for the Virginia-Carolina game. And he's just over the moon. Uh, you know, just think of that. Three former Hampton-Sydney <laughs> guys. You know, here's a small Division I school in Central Virginia, and three former players are not only Division I coaches, but each of their teams has won at least 20 games uh, this season. You see Irvine, Russell Turner, Ryan Odom at Utah State, and, and Griff at Longwood. It's, it's pretty darn wild. And you're right, each of them remains very close to, to Tony Shaver and values his counsel and recalls quite well uh, the lessons they learned uh, under his mentorship in Hampton City. No, just absolutely. I tell you what, Wayman Mary's not the same place without him, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'll just say that. No, and, not- and, and, guess, and guess what? Don't they know it? <laughs> Absolutely. They should. They should. That's one of the best guys going right there, Coach Shaver. David, before I let you go, again, um, I know of all the years you've done this and you've covered the ACC in Virginia, there are a few more genteel and honestly good people I've ever run across than uh, now, unfortunately, the late Terry Holland. I just wanted you to give your thoughts on Coach Holland, some experiences and uh you know, his passing at the age of 80, a huge loss for all of us who follow the ACC and college basketball. It is, Rick. And, you know, probably all of us at some point in our lives will confront either with a loved one or ourselves um, dementia, Alzheimer's. Right. And Terry was diagnosed in 2019 with Alzheimer's. And what compounds that heartbreak is that he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Not as a basketball player. I mean, this guy was an intellect. He was an economics major at Davidson. Uh, Dave Odom, his longtime assistant at UVA, tells the story. They'd be flying to a game, and they're sitting next to each other on the charter, and Dave's pouring over scouting reports, and he's sweating every comma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know, and, and every everything about it, all the tendencies. And there's Terry with his nose buried in a novel or a news magazine, and <laughs> Odom's elbowing him, going, "Come on, Terry, what about this out of bounds play?" <laughs> and, and and Terry's like, "We've practiced. We it, it's all done. We're going to go let him play." And that's just the the way he was. And Rick, to put his basketball success at UVA into context, before Terry Holland set foot on that campus in 1974, the Cavaliers had been to zero NCAA tournaments. Zero. In Terry Holland's 16 seasons, they went to nine. (laughs) and, And twice went to the Final Four, and in two other seasons went to the Elite Eight. Well, I mean, there you go, right? I mean, that's – we were fortunate that when the show was on – this show was on from 2001 to 2010, the first run of it, we were fortunate to have Coach Holland on several times. And every time you learn so much, and you're right, it had nothing to do with basketball. Sometimes the conversations didn't even go toward basketball, right? He would just start in another direction, right. and you just let it go, and you just listen because of his brilliant mind. You're exactly right. Yeah, and he, he was a terrific administrator and AD at Davidson and UVA in East Carolina. 
just and he was you know just on a personal note, he was so gracious and patient with me. He was really the first coach I covered on a full time basis when I was a punk, <laughs> and he he didn't treat me that way, and he taught me things, and he, he showed me things and and about his team and his program, ex- explained things in a, in a way that, that I could understand them. And uh, he was just, he, he became a friend. And it was, uh, it was a privilege to chronicle his career. I'm sure it was, absolutely. And he did a great job doing that. We all should tip a, a toast of Irish whiskey like Mike Bray to Coach Holland right now in the memory of Coach Holland, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, David, listen, I know you got a lot on your palate as always. My goodness, we're in March now. That means the madness shortly to follow. And uh, be safe in your travels. And thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Great stuff. Appreciate it, Rick. Thank you. Appreciate you. There you go. That's the Hall of Famer, David Teal, joining us. And that's a great memory right there, huh? Irish whiskey for Mike Bray last night. It's all over the internet. Why not? <laughs> Why not? That's one place a coach can go out and drink with the patrons, and it's widely accepted. I mean, there are Irish pubs around every corner around South Bend. All right, we're taking a break. We'll come back to White Vic in about 12 minutes. Thanks to David Teal. Women's basketball gets underway um, today at 2 in the Big South Tournament, which them nothing but the best. We'll be on with you tomorrow about uh, 8 o'clock pregame, 8.30. The tip, Radford takes on Winthrop on the men's side. We read the statement from uh, Radford University yesterday, the official announcement that uh, head coach Darius Nichols will return on Monday, whether Radford is still playing or not. Shane Nichols will be the acting head coach throughout the Big South Tournament, and that team is uh, focused on um, winning three games in three days. They feel really good about where they are, and we'll see how it all unfolds. Be traveling out a little bit later today, the team will. I'll be heading out tomorrow after the show. Mike Ashley is already down at the Big South Tournaments, and he's been tweeting quite regularly. And I've led him, and we'll see if he tweets and tags us on the show Twitter to update us on any media food that might actually show up this year. So we'll find out if 
the messages were received from a year ago when literally we were told to tree, uh, go out and chew tree bark. Dwight Vick joins us next. Hope you're well wherever you might be here on this Thursday. Top of the hour, great stuff from uh, David Teal. Great recollection there about the life of Terry Holland. Text lines open for you, 744-2990. Joining us now on the program, creator of Victory Life, former all-commerce performer at Virginia Tech. He has three podcasts, one that he does, of course, with his cousin Mike Vick. His name is Dwight Vick. DV, how are you? Good morning. I'm great, man. It's great to be back on, man. Um got a lot of great feedback from last week man on your show so i appreciate the opportunity every chance i get oh we love it we love it man um listen and already i'm just telling you we got loaded up uh text line box for you about uh please talk to dwight (laughs) what he knows about the offensive coaching position offensive line coaching position and uh, a name that you floated out because he's a good friend of yours and i think it makes a whole lot of sense as well on the surface well, before I speak on that, I just want to say, man, um, you mentioned David Till and Terry Holland. Yeah. I just wanted to take a second and just, uh, you know, offer my condolences to his family and just say he left a great legacy, which is what Victory Life is all about, is made a legacy. So um, God bless him and his family, and, and may God continue to watch over him and his loved ones and the legacy that he left. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, tell us uh, what your thoughts are, because you floated something out there that really made a lot of sense to a lot of people. And first of all, let me address this. How concerned are you with these losses that we have here, you know, within a week of one another? Coach Glenn, it made sense, right? We we understand he had a relationship with Coach Satterfield. Now he's going to be an OC at Cincinnati. But this one with Joe Rudolph, I think it kind of took people by surprise. I know it's Notre Dame. But this kind of just came out of nowhere. First of all, how much concern do you have about losing two coaches at those two most important spots, the most important spots of the offense, quarterback and the offensive line coaches? Well, as you and I spoke about last week, I wasn't as concerned with the quarterback coach because um, it wasn't like the productivity was immaculate and it wasn't like you can't find another quarterback coach. They're important I remember when we had, uh, I believe it was Kevin Rogers, when Marcus, uh, my cousin Marcus Vick was there and, and Brian Randall. Um, he was a phenomenal quarterback's coach. We also have been in OC and things like that. Um, the offensive coordinator is more important than the quarterback coach. The quarterback coach, just it's individual. It reinforces the desired outcomes for offense and productivity. Um, it's important, but I'm sure they're going to be able to find someone like that as we move into the spring. Uh, Rudolph was a bit of a major surprise only because everybody, including myself, or majority of Tech fans were very excited and elated when he decided to come to Blacksburg last year and join Coach Pry's staff, given his track record at Wisconsin 
and the great offenses and offensive line they had. But, you know, we believe in honesty on the Big Dog Sport Talk radio show, and honesty says that our offensive line did not show well consistently in pass protection, blitz pickup. They had major pre-snap penalties, um, false starts that are not due times, and they weren't effective many times when they should have been consistently. This is not calling anybody out. I've had my fair share of bad plays when I played. It's not about elevating myself, but this is my job to answer these questions. And I wanted Rudolph back. I thought, you know, he was a key cog in what we were doing and building, um, speaking of legacy, a legacy under Pry. But <clears throat> this is a business. That's why I don't um, really fault players for leaving because coaches jump ship, man, and they give you a statement and they talk about how happy they are in these press conferences and they throw on the Virginia Tech hoodie and they get the hat and they run around saying their wife loves the community and they love shopping at Kroger's and then the better <laughs> opportunity comes and they leave. Right. That's why I kind of decompartmentalize my fa- fandom sometimes with some of these guys and women because it's coach speak. Do I believe prize that way? Absolutely not. Do I know JC loves tech? Of course. Pearson, but those are my guys. Some of these new guys, I'm skeptical. And that's just how, what I have to do to protect my fandom and my heart. Now, from a logistics standpoint, I put Todd's name out there because Todd, years ago, wanted to come and coach O-line, and they chose Kurt Newsom, the great Kickerton High School JMU coach. You know, he uh, you know, came to Tech and did a good job recruiting, and he was a known offensive line coach. Um, you know, he coached against me in high school. I have the utmost respect for Coach Newsom. The timing wasn't right. But there have been two guys trying to get back to Blacksburg for quite some time. Uh, Chris Malone, um, who played with me, he was an older guy, a four-year starter at Tech, mm-hmm. um, coached at JMU. But the timing wasn't right. They went with Newsom, and then they went with another guy, uh, Grimes. Not J.B. Grimes, but the other Grimes. So Todd and I are close, and Todd's, you know, during games, Todd texts me. Like, yeah, I'm in group chats. There's certain guys I talk to all the time during the game. Todd Washington is one of them. And we talk and text about productivity and how guys are too high and their pad level. And we, you know, question marks when we look at a play call. Um, I'm sure I'm one of millions across the world that do this when your favorite team is playing. But ultimately, it wasn't any agenda. I firmly believe, and I tweeted, I stand on what I said is that Todd Washington will be the perfect solution to replace Rudolph because he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, one as a player, one as a coach. He's involved in the game right now, coaching young men. He's coached collegially at a small college out in San Diego before. He's also um, one of the best offensive linemen of Virginia Tech history, and he wants to be in Blacksburg. Even though he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is is that um, his kids are college-bound. They're in college, and it, it's a great, it's a perfect storm. And I'm not, and, and please, to your listeners, and I know Pride knows this, I'm not telling Pride and Whitlock how to do their job, but I am a voice. I do have credibility, and I'm being honest. I mean, there are other offensive line guys I know that coach, that play the tech, and I'm not saying that because I get a kickback or some type of finder's fee. No. I'm from believe Todd Washington would be the best offensive line coach in Blacksburg. And I, and I think there are a lot of people that know and coach with Todd and uh, played against him and as a coach and a player would agree. I mean, he knows his stuff. And the thing about it is, is that miss me with the whole, well, this, that, whatever, when the guy he was just coaching with last year, Tyler Bowen, 
was in Jacksonville right, with right. <laughs> who didn't really have that much experience as an OC. So it's let's you know, and again, this is just me saying this for anybody that's a naysayer on my tweets or listening right now, questioning how stable or how justified this possibility is. Um, I think he should be a candidate. Now, does that mean, if I'm being honest with you and your listeners, that there's not another candidate in New Jersey somewhere or in, in you know, Farmville, Virginia, or somewhere throughout the Commonwealth or in the East Coast that is a better coach? Possibly. That's why you interview. But I do think we need to have a sense of urgency because unless I'm off a little bit or I got caught in the blip that the Avengers did, the five-year blip, <laughs> we got spring game coming up. We got spring practices. So the offensive linemen need a coach. <laughs> yeah. You, got, yeah. you know, we not – you can't do – you can probably have a couple of guys contribute, and you know, but if you're trying to take the next step and go from a 3-17 and 17 to a bowl-eligible team – you need all hands on deck. So it's not like we're sitting back playing chess where we got time. We got to punch the clock. Now, that doesn't mean you make a rush decision, but I just think you got to make sure that you get the right guy. And it, the thing that was so funny about my tweet is I didn't know Todd was going to respond. You know, a lot of times guys shy away from that. He's been answering questions, um, some cryptic, but he's been straightforward. So, it's not like he's doing this because, you know, he's unemployed or, you know, he's, you know, desperate. But in the coaching business, it's okay to make it known that you would like to coach somewhere. I knew, and it's already been stated by Coach Pry, there were certain jobs, a few jobs that he knew if they ever came open, he would take. And he said in his, his introduction presser that Virginia Tech was always one of those schools. Now, so let's, let, let's not act like these guys don't have their goals as far as their career is concerned, just like players. He is Dwight Vick joining us on the program. Again, the all-conference performer at Virginia Tech. He's got three podcasts, and Dwight Vick is not a rumor starter. He was asked his opinion. He gave his opinion about something. Let's, let's talk about that, too. I mean, you don't just put stuff out there if you don't really believe there's conviction, which is why you're so valuable at what you do and why so many people think so highly of you. Your word is your bond. So when you're putting this out there, I mean, this is a legitimate feeling, a legitimate possibility. And I know one thing. Dwight, what I got was you help people a lot because people were – I mean, I heard from over 50, 60 people that were very concerned about this departure from Coach Rudolph, and then they saw what you had put out, and they said, you know what, that makes perfect sense. I hope that, oh, so the hope, hope that happens with a guy like Todd Washington. So you did help. Yeah, you yeah, helped a lot yeah. of people. I know that. Yeah, I don't I do not do speculation. You no, know, I know that no. I know that's popular on message boards. Even when I used to write for 247 Sports, sports I had my column called Vic's Viewpoints. Um, it was a column, but it was heartfelt where it was based on insight and credibility and truth. Um, I, I don't really care for the speculation and assumptions. I've seen guys talk about we were going in the SEC, um, you know, and I look and, you know, they're just tweeting what they think they heard. I don't, if you notice, if you go back, you know, I joined Twitter 2010. If you go back since I've been on Twitter, I don't do speculation assumptions. I do offer my opinions and insight, but whether it's my cousin Mike Vick or Ty Washington or, you know, my thoughts on J.C. Price or what we need to do to be a, a better football program or a better university, even when Fuente was in town. I'm honest, I'm sincere, and I speak on what I know. And, and to be honest with you, it allowed me to flex a little bit. When I have projected something or I spoke on something, it's really come to fruition. Right. I told everybody before he got to Virginia Tech, Greg Stroman was going to be a difference maker. And we got the best defense alignment when it came to Tim Settle over Andrew Brown and those guys. And both Tim Settle and, and Greg Stroman proved me right. 
I told everybody it was documented. I can screenshot the article that Mike Vick was going to take Virginia Tech to a national championship game. He was going to be a Heisman finalist, and he was going to change the trajectory of the program. That all happened. I said it in 1998 to the Collegiate Times. It, I don't just tweet and say what, what sounds good on a Thursday morning. I speak truth. I speak heartfelt messages, even when I'm struggling or even when I'm proud. And I think that's why people follow me and respect my insight. Is Todd Washington my, my brother? Is he a close friend? Absolutely. We grew up together. Um, we were roommates a few years at Tech on the road. We talk. I was at his wedding. That's my guy. But I also have love for Derek Smith. I also love for DJ Parker, Cam Chancellor. It's not like I have an agenda. I, I, actually, I take that back. I do have an agenda. I want Virginia Tech to be great again. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that is my agenda. I want Virginia Tech to be great again. I don't care – what people feel about me, I love the fact that I have a lot of followers and fans and respect, but when it comes to my agenda, that's what I care about. I want this fall to be playing meaningful games. I don't want to continue to see us come close. I want those young men that are there right now doing winter workouts and running and lifting to be great. And I think Todd Washington can help that program be great. Well, and that's what I've been sending back to people. They've been asking my opinion. I say, look, Todd Washington is very good in the league. He would be great for Brent Pry, right? right? That's the way I look at it. I think he goes from, yeah, he's very successful what he's doing now, but I think he could come and potentially be a star in college football. I really do. Well, yeah, and and and, and let me just preface this because I, again, I know you have a great following. I know my words carry weight. Just like I said when Fuente got hired, just like I said when he was uh, let go, I wanted Fuente to succeed. So if Pry, respectfully, and his staff and and Wit decide to go with someone else. I'm going to root that guy on. Sure. I'm not going to walk into Blacksburg, you know, with the black overcoat and say, don't speak to me. You didn't hire my friend. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But I do I do think, you know, he he could be a big part. The same way I felt when they retained Pearson Prelo and J.C. Price. You know, you had me on with J.C. and his wife. Mm-hmm. I hold J.C. and Todd in the same regard. Todd and I are more, you know, like brothers because J.C. was like my big brother. Todd and I are the same age, same right, year. Right, right. So, but J.C., I told you how important he was. I told everybody when he got named interim on Twitter that morning, actually even before he got named interim, I said when he got hired, he was going to be a phenomenal addition to this staff, and he's proven me right. Um, and not just the same way I used to talk about, you know, Torian Gray, the years he was in Blacksburg. I used to always tweet, he's the best defensive back coach in the nation. And for decades, uh, Torian Gray produced some of the best defensive backs in college football history in Blacksburg. So, again, just to kind of put a bow on this thing, I speak what I know. And what I know is what can help Tech. Um, I'm not an AD. I'm not a coach. I could do those things. I'm not confident. But I don't want to do that. I just want to sit back and watch my favorite team on Thursday and Saturday afternoons win ball games. And I think, you know, culture is important. That's a hot topic word that you and I have been beating yes, the yes. drum and our chest on culture. I think he fits the culture with pride wants. So that's my two cents on it, Rick. Well, it's it's very well received. I know people have been very anxious to hear from you. And speaking, before I let you go now, it's kind of funny. You just said no interest in coaching. I just counted. I had 23 text messages. Today, saying, "Hey, 
Will you please ask Dwight if he would like to maybe – would he ever be considered as the offensive line coach? He would be great. I just wanted to pass I, that along to you. You know, it's so funny. My wife, I tell them all I appreciate it. My wife, years ago, when our kids were little, and um, probably when we were first in ACC, she was pushing me to get into college coaching, and she thought I would be a phenomenal recruiter and coach. I will say I have helped recruit a lot of guys to Tech. I've named a few. I can name about six or seven others, Wyatt Teller and other people like that. I enjoy supporting Tech. I enjoy being the unofficial ambassador for Virginia Tech sports, especially football. I love going up there. I can't wait to get up there in a month in April or a month and a half and and be in Blacksburg in southwest Virginia. Um, Coaching, I I know what it takes, but I I respect what those guys do. That's a very high-demanding job. And truthfully, man, I don't think I could do the coaching and – the many platforms I do, you know, I can still jump on your show, but I don't know about my other stuff, which I love, and that's the podcast. And, right, right. Um, you know, I love where I'm at here in Nova. I love uh, what I do, but I do love your listeners, your fans, and I love coming on your show. So I appreciate it all the time. Well, we love having you, my friend. Like I said, I don't just tell you this to tell you. It's the most anticipated uh, weekly segment we do. I'm just telling you that right now from the feedback that I get. So, this was great stuff today, and uh, we'll keep an eye. Maybe next week we'll be uh, elaborating on these. Or maybe the hires will be announced here in the next few days. Who knows? Who knows? Fingers crossed. Prayers up. Sounds good. All right. All right. Stay safe, my friend. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. All right. There you go. Great stuff from Dwight Vick, and I hope that uh, answers a lot of your questions. Those of you saying, hey, ask Dwight if he'd like to be the O-line coach. That was funny. But, uh, again, uh, he's just speaking the truth about what he thinks. And he always has. And you know what? He's never going to change. And we are much better because of it. Wrapping it up after this. off the leash yet. We're happy to have you with us and hope you'll come back often. Big Dog Sports Talk will be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on WRAD. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like. You say black. I say white. You say bike. I say bite. You say shark. I say hey, man. George All right, wrapping it up. My scene and I don't like Thanks to David Till, Dwight Vick. Give me a choice. Great stuff in this power hour. We're getting a ton of response from Dwight just now. Congrats to the basketball ticket winners. I hope that Godzilla didn't uh, get upset by hearing uh, Dwight kind of omit him from the offensive line coaching possibilities. (laughs) He called in earlier. Tomorrow, the finally Friday edition, we've got Jen, we've got Mike Ashley. Uh, Who else? Who knows? Who knows what might pop up on a Friday? Everybody be safe. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening so much. It means so much to uh, interact with you on a daily basis, and we'll see you tomorrow on the finally Friday edition. Take care.
all of us here at News Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.